got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers and talking rap careers Reflecting on the years, connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music, I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane on a brew, doing interviews, no topics off the table, but we focus on breakthroughs, so kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check, you're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks, one, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce, we got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear, one, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce, we got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear, Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. This is Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here today with KJ52. Yeah. No beard, no brew. <laughs> you got some coffee. I got some coffee. It's that kind of brew. It's the, uh, it's the poor man's, uh, I call it, well, actually, here it is. I'm drinking a cafe. Yeah, yeah well, tell me about way it. way more intense than your average. Caucasoid Joe that you would drink. Um, so I, this place is down the street from the hospital where my son was born. Nice. And we were super exhausted from just like lack of sleep. And I've driven by here a thousand times. And I've grown up in a Cuban neighborhood, grown up around Cuban food my whole life. But yeah. for some reason we stopped in here. My wife, I said, you know, babe, we're tired. Let's get some Cuban coffee. It's stronger. So I walked in and I said... Uh, El, uh, to my broken bad Spanish. El espresso y cafe cubano. Nice. And I was trying to get a cafe con leche. Right. And they gave us these coladas. And I had never seen it before, and it comes with these little cups, right? Yeah. Now they know me enough that I come in here now, they stop giving me the cups. <laughs> but it always comes with these little tiny little dick, you know, like almost like a pill cup. Okay. So you get a tiny espresso cup and then five other tinier cups. And I thought, this is the dumbest thing. What am I going to do with these other extra cups? <laughs> I'm an American. Yeah. So I swig the whole thing, thinking it's okay. like a Starbucks espresso shot. Knowing nothing about the cultural implications of it is this is a traditional drink that you drink around two or three. Okay. With the people you're with, you split right. it. Everyone drinks a shot, like a like a yeah. thimble sized drink of it. I down the whole thing, and I'm I'm like I'm like, honey, I don't think my heart is gonna <laughs> is gonna explode out of my chest. But then I'm like, I feel like I've jumped, you know, stumbled onto kryptonite. I mean, not kryptonite, wow. just a, uh, a special uh, elixir of magic yeah. magical powers. Yeah. So uh, I realized I could just get one and nurse it throughout the day. <laughs> I'm chilling. Nice. And uh, so now we come in here all the time. My son is big on Cuban food. And uh, they stopped giving me the cups. Because here comes the <laughs> crazy Blanquito, who's not supposed right. to drink the whole thing. You don't even drink, you definitely don't drink it at 11. Well, at, at, at least you figured out what you want, though. What yeah. you like. Yeah. Now, what am I drinking? Because you had to help me order. <laughs> you just drink, she said American coffee. Okay, because it, it tastes a little sweet. Yeah. Well, the thing too about the way they brew the, most people brew the beans and then add sugar into your cup. Okay. Coladas are brewed with the sugar infused into the bean. It's yeah. already sweet. So that must be part of what's going on here. But I'm part of the, uh, <laughs> part of the lunar landing that's taking place yeah. behind us, yes. Yeah. So yeah. So you don't have to add sugar and 
Well, it's good. I like it. I needed something to get if, going. If you like, see, I've gotten so conditioned to it. Like when I hang out with propaganda, yeah, and he tries to suggest like a pour over, yeah. I just pour it over his head. Like, <laughs> don't give me this watery Folgers. You know, I had, a pre- I had a pretty mean pour over in Nashville like a week ago. It just it tastes like four bucks, but it tastes like watery. Yeah. Water coffee. <laughs> you just like you're paying for the acrobatics. Oh man, it's almost like you really feel. I'm just saying. I'm. I've been to the promised land, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this place is great. You can get like enough food to last you for two days for like ten dollars. Yeah, and enough caffeine to rock. You yeah, I, I got myself a Cuban sandwich. I don't eat sandwiches very much, but uh, I figured if we were at a Cuban place, I don't know a lot of things to order, and it was like five bucks. <laughs> Well, the thing is, like, I brought my son here. It's like where he requests to come on a special occasion, and he just like halfway through, just mouthful of pork chop. He's like, "Dad, why is it so good?" <laughs> it's like, "Well, buddy, it's sugar, fat, and salt. Like, it's the, <laughs> it's what we yeah. all love. You know what I mean?" Yeah. But it's it's any ethnic food I've found is like it's basically sugar, fat, and salt. Yeah. Just different ways of making it, but it's essentially <laughs> sugar, fat, and salt. And like, it. it's food for people that don't have a lot. So they make the best out of what they have. You yeah. Know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Well, now, that's my uh, so what are you up to these days, man? You can just you got a new record out. It's like eight songs, right? Yeah, but I'm about to drop the deluxe version okay. next month. I have five new songs to add to it. Uh, first crowdfunded record. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm in a I'm in a different space there. Um, we just did a crowdfund Kickstarter for a documentary about my oh, story. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, so we finished that up, and then. Um, yeah, have you already finished filming or no 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 so okay. we, we shot all the footage gotcha but we he didn't do any of the editing okay we did some you know basic editing or whatever but um this was all from a guy that was a fan as a kid he's just an adult nice. now. yeah yeah and uh just he shot two videos for me and then eventually he was like man i'm just fascinated by your story i'd love to do a documentary about you and i thought that's perfect because i want to do a deluxe version of my album yeah i said what if we combine the two we could probably crowdfund it two things will kind of work off each other right and I don't know. It's like, why not do different stuff now? I don't yeah, have yeah. any restrictions. There's right. no... So whatever I want to do, I do it. Whenever yeah, I want yeah. to release it, I release it. Yeah. You know, and the tribe, my tribe takes care of me. Yeah. You know? Well, that's pretty cool. Um, now, how would you say your stuff right now is different than before? Well, I mean, I'm coming from a perspective of a 42-year-old man. So, right. So that bleeds into the music. I'm not where I was at 25 when I came into the industry. I'm not where I was at 20 when I first started, right. with, you know, first recording. So, you know, it's a bit of introspection, but there's a lot of like, best way I could put it is, it's like I'm an old MacBook Pro with updated software. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. It's like, I'm, I like that. I'm your trusty MacBook Pro from 10 years ago. You're just running a better OS. So like, I think I make better songs. Yeah. I think, I'm speaking from a perspective that's not really been heard, you know, someone yeah. that's been around, that's still active, that's still as busy as ever, you know. But hip hop has changed. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I still perform in front of a lot of kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's like, the weird thing is I hung around long enough for it to finally be accepted by the church. <laughs> right. Which is weird because now the fan base that grew up with me is now in their 30s and 40s. So they really, they didn't leave me, right? but they can now put me in front of their kids and there's right. not like a generation gap. Yeah. So in a weird sense, I'm in a really good, almost renaissance period. 
is the best way I could put sure. it. Sure. Yeah, but I'm that. not just doing music. I'm speaking, but the music sets up the speaking. The speaking sets up the music. Like I used to yeah. think I had to pick between one of the two. I used to think that there's someday I'm going to have to lay down the mic to do something else. And I realized I don't have to. And yeah. I think Generation X will probably be the first generation that will do hip-hop till we're dead. Yeah. We always said we wouldn't. Yeah. We always said, I don't want to be rapping when I'm 40. I don't want to hear right. no 35 year old rapper. That's the thing we said to each other. We forget that the kids now are growing up in a world where there's no, they don't know any different. It's like yeah. what rock yeah. was to me when I was 10. Right. Yeah, a, a buddy of mine described it as hip hop as the fountain of youth. <laughs> and, and I would say, I'll hear that statement and I will raise you All right. that it is a young man's game and an old man's survival. You know what I mean? So, it still is the voice of the youth. They yeah. still are drawn to it because of that. Yeah. And it's not, survival is a bit of a, it's an extreme. But yeah. it's a survival in the sense that we're not kids where we only had $10 in our pocket, yeah. some wraps in our mind and our backpack, and we could just go for it. Yeah. We now have mortgages and kids, right. careers. Yeah. So for us to survive is a different, sure, it's a different look. Well, one of the things uh, I, I admired about you and like um, our buddy Pigeon John and you know a few other guys, like you guys were ahead of us a couple of years, um, but it seemed like you guys just each had drives to make it, yeah, and like to make a living at it. And Absolutely. I don't know, li like listening to to your podcast and like listening to John on a couple of interviews I'm like looking back going I should have asked you guys years ago like what was making you go because I like when we got to Nashville we are like oh cool we're here and that's not <laughs> how it works at all I have a funny story about that tell me about that well because when you got your deal with Flickr yeah that was like right on the heels of me getting dropped by yeah. my first label yeah so I was like for all intents and purposes, I was done. I lived in an apartment down the street from here that's like the size of this room. And I got evicted, I got my car repossessed. I mean, everything on paper said I was done. You know, it was a failed major label experiment. Yeah. But I was like, you know what, God has other plans. I'm not, I don't give up until he tells me to give up. Yeah. So I went to every label in Nashville. I had showcases. I had a real plan going into collaborations, like this is what I'm going to do, this is going to work because of this, and I laid it all out for all those Nashville labels. One was Flickr. No, really? And, and I'll never forget because, I think it was Bob, was it yeah. Bob Herbert? Yeah. He kept going like, well, have you ever thought about doing like a rap rock thing, like some Let Biscuit, kind of like yeah. kid rock? And I was so committed to just surviving, I was like... All right, cool. I'll try that. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah, yeah. I had no, basically I, I been like, you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he still didn't bite. Yeah. That's what got me really frustrated because I was friends with Pillar mm -hmm. on the label. And I'm like, dude, I've told you exactly what I'm going to do. I know it's going to work. I've even told you I'll do what you want me to do. Right. And he, the pushback eventually was like, yeah, we're just not going to sign anybody. And then they turn around and sign you guys. And I was so ticked off because I'm like, "What's my fault, man?" I was like, "Is either I was either like, I don't know. I was just I was just like, I can't believe this. Like, but it was a, it was a first. It yeah. happened on multiple occasions. That's right. what happened. And I was like, I was done with Nashville. That's why I signed yeah. with Tooth and Nail. Okay. Well, it's it's funny because 
that era was really interesting because all of the national labels started taking interest in rappers. Mm -hmm. And I remember Sparrow Records mm -hmm. called us. Had a meeting and, with them. Yeah, and and, they, and I remember at one point they were like, I don't know, I, I wish you guys were a little more like like Mars Hill. Oh yeah, he loved Mars Hill. I'm like, that's not what we do at right. all. Um, yeah. But you know, I think what got us with Bob was his eight-year-old son yeah. loved our demo. That's it. I think it was his son specifically. Because the, an eight-year-old <laughs> is the focus group. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, un unfortunately, uh, I mean, we had a great experience with all of that, you know. And we, you have your frustrations because you always do in the industry. There's always going to be something that doesn't go the way you exactly want it. But um, that that stuff aside, you know, I do know that album with them. We more deliberately wrote down to the middle school and upper elementary, in large part because that's what they wanted. Right. KJ is the place to be, and Pigeon John is the boy y'all need to see. Uh, 5'2 is a true MC, and PJ got the hands up instantly. Yeah. 
nothing goes right But it seems to be the story of my whole entire life Anybody out there know what I mean You feel like your third string on a football team And you're never ever gonna reach any of your dreams And your only hope is making on your rings a Burger King Well a lot of things change Since Christ came in my life now I'm rearranged And the way I look at myself well it ain't the same I'm driving a whole other lane going against the grain It might seem a little strange But the fact remains to change when I called on his name I need to know is that my wife will dance with me. Uh. She's crumpled to the beat, she's crumpled to the beat Every single day of week KJ, in the place to be And my man Pigeon John flowing easily You call me a nerd, you're a little dope When I'm on the microphone, I'm no joke It's totally freestyle, KJ I'm gifted, Holy Spirit filled And that's where the rhymes come from They don't come from my pencil My skills are evident They're strong, they're potential They're, I would even call it anointing Without blasphemy and I would say that I am the I am the best rapper in my block. In my in my vicinity, I'm the best one. Okay, so forget them. Bye bye. Well, you know, in that time too, that era, like early two thousands to mid two thousands in Christian music, like it was Wild Wild West. No one knew what they were doing. Yeah. It was just like, well, it's selling in the mainstream. We should try it here. Yeah. And yeah. you had guys that had been selling Jars of Clay records and Pillar records. Yeah. Now thinking, well, if I if I do A and out comes B, that it should work with rap too. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, through trial and error, realized that it never works like that. Right. And, but I was at least savvy enough to go... I'm going to examine the market. How do I play to every yeah. market, every bit of the market, and I'm going to work like crazy yeah. to, to make it happen. And it's funny now because, again, like at the time I didn't think about it, but I'm still reaping the benefits of all that time. You know, And I got dissed severely by the Christian rap industry, but I made a very conscious decision to go... That industry is too small to to so, to support anything. Mm-hmm. So I've got to go and think bigger. And that's the irony is that now here I am all these years later, I can make just straight rap records. Yeah. If I mix rock and rap, or if I do anything that's considered youth groupy or whatever, I mean, there's some. They don't want that anymore. They yeah. want what the mainstream is, plain and simple. And I think yeah. the internet leveled that playing field. Yeah. It's it's funny to me. Um, because I, I kind of lost touch with you for a while, but recently revisiting some some of your records that came in that period after we lost touch was um, how many of your instincts were the same as mine, but you just actually did them. <laughs> um, for example, we invited Dave from Pax Two Seventeen and Rob from Pillar to be yeah. on our record. It didn't work out, gotcha. but like you had a similar idea. You you had Rob yeah. rap with you and. Um, we also talked about like covering a you know well-known Christian rock song or something like that. You, you See, that wasn't really my idea, okay. but I went with it. That was where the industry kind of kicked in. Sure. And, but I was like, all right, well, it's like works for Puffy. You might as well try it. <laughs> 
Yeah, but she, you like actually. I mean, I guess you've done a couple, but you did um, you did the one with Rebecca St. James. I mean, like, See, and that, you actually had her well, on there, which is yes and no. Okay. So what happened was there is I did a show. Her dad came up to me after the show, and okay. he said, "Whatever you want to use Rebecca for, let me know." Yeah. And her career was a little bit tapering off. I said, "Oh man, well, it'd be crazy to do a collabo." At the time, I was working with her producer Ted T. Oh yeah, yeah. So Ted said, what if we just take one of the old songs, since they hold the copyright, and I'll go get the original. He went and got the original reels. Oh, really? He got like had to unbake the reels from the from the masters. Wow. And then resampled it and redid it. Now he had done the original track anyway, so yeah. So that's where that happened. You know what I mean? So, but you know, again, I was just looking at this tiny pool of Christian rap realizing yeah. it was so small and it wasn't sustainable I had to start pulling in from other places and the funny thing is if I did all this now yeah. it would totally fall flat right it would totally fall flat it's not where the industry is I, hip hop has kicked there. rock out of yeah. the pantheon of the industry right like if I if I put a rock artist on my show it will drive people away really absolutely if I collaborate with a rock band, which I don't even feel that passion to do this anymore, it would be the worst, the least uh, song on there. Interesting. I'm telling you, it's like, I can do just straight, and, and I'm always a genre bender, so I yeah, will yeah. always try to bend the genre a little bit. Sure. Part of that I do is so I'm not the same guy as everybody else, because everybody pretty much does the same trap rap style. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, man, it's just a different world. Yeah. It's, it's crazy which but again it kind of helps my career again because that kid that was in the youth group is now the youth pastor or he's the promoter right. Right. or he's the he's the 35 year old dad that comes and drops 50 bucks on a VIP mm-hmm. or he's 75% of my backers were men over 30 really? yeah wow that's pretty cool yeah and I didn't re- see and again that's the things I got flack for I got flack for for playing the CCM role, or yeah. I got flack for being too youth groupy, or being too white, or whatever you want to, pick. whatever my peers, who I would have to say like ninety nine percent of them are no longer around. Right. The ones that criticized, whatever their criticisms were, I am reaping the benefit of that seventeen years later. Right. You know what I mean? And at the time, I wasn't thinking that way. I was just like going bloom where you're planted you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I saw that you can't just do straight rap for rap's sake at, in 2000 you couldn't yeah yeah so take me from from how you went I mean it doesn't have to be a big answer but from Sons of Intellect Shadow <laughs> of the Locust almost maybe that's not the right characterization but almost backpack rapper stuff oh absolutely to like the current record like there's a couple of straight up pop songs yeah. and like very catchy stuff. Right. Well, you're looking at, again, it's like, what's the mentality of a 19-year-old kid? What's the mentality of a 20-year-old in 1994, 95? Yeah. All it was is just reflecting where, as just a kid trying to figure out the music. Now, sure. Golden Child, at the time, was a kid, and I was just trying to kind of be his, like, mentor. We were seven years different, you know? But he was super talented. Yeah. And we just said, he, his leanings were Wu-Tang, my leanings were KRS. But we were just like, okay, well, let's just 
make music. I don't know what you're doing. Do you know what you're doing? No, I don't know yeah. what you're doing. Let's just try it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there was no blueprint. There was no internet. Well, there was internet, but you know. So, you know, we were out there opening up for Wu Tang. We were opening for yeah, Chai. Yeah. We were opening for, you name it. We opened up for them. We were, you know, doing open mics and battle contests, and we yeah. were, but we were just being authentically us at the same time. So. I think what you just really see is growth. As I hit 25-ish, right. I was like, man, I do like other stuff. I do like some genre bending where he didn't want to do that. So by that right. time, we were already split. So by the time you get to me doing a solo record, I'm not in a group anymore. Right. So right. if I want to do what's considered sellout commercial, <laughs> right. it's funny looking back, it's like, it's not, people always look at history revisionist. Right, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and anybody that, this is what I used to hear all the time, no matter what record I did, everyone said the previous record was better. <laughs> and more Ouch. real. And more real. You know what I mean? So if I put out Seven Avenue... It's like Avenue, the biggest criticism you can give of a rapper that they're not being real, right? Yeah, but if I put out Seventh <laughs> Avenue, everybody said I had sold out. And that Sons of Intellect was more real hip-hop. Yeah. And now, then I put out collaborations, people go, 7th Avenue was better. I put out, you know, it doesn't make a difference. Right. It's just that whatever you come in at right. is what your connection is. That's it. Right. And that's where I understood that enough to know that I can't change that. And if yeah. I just keep listening to the 10% that are very vocal, I'm missing the 90% that's right. loving it. Right. So, I, I made my bed and I laid in it. Yeah. So that's all it was, and then and then you know again I get a record deal. I'm working with Todd Collins, you know I'm in that system. So I was at least smarter, even though I fought a lot of the stuff he tried to do. Yeah. I at least at the, at the end of the day I said you know better than I do. Right. I'm gonna trust you on this. If you right. want to chop my 24 bar verse rap into two twelves, <laughs> okay, freaking fine. But I'm gonna go into it kicking and screaming. But I was like okay, and he would tell me, he would say if you will, if you will compromise now. You will reap the. You will be able to do what you want later. Right. And man, he was spot on. Yeah. I call it the class of 2000. You know, I, we came in when everybody was getting signed. La Symphony, Grits was peaking. Yeah. Notaverbs got signed. You know, Cross Movement was just peaking. Yeah. You know, that class of 2000 was a big thing. Yeah. And I had. I hate to say it, but I can only think of one or two of those guys that is still around. Yeah, and I don't mean that to say, "Oh, I'm so great and they're so terrible." Sure. It's just that I knew where I landed, and I had a very clear vision of how I was going to execute right. that. Yeah, that, that's that's the way you've got to do it, and that's the only way that you're going to be around. But most artists don't do that, now. right? You know what I mean? And yeah, no, I I understand. I've I've lived it. Okay, <laughs> there you go. I, I've lived that uh, not having a clear vision, and you know, and we we. Uh, we started taking regular jobs and stuff, and and when we stopped working with our booking agent management, I just thought, oh, it'll be no problem. I'll just send a query out to another booking agent, and everything will be fine. No, it didn't work that Boom. way. You're absolutely right. And and it was like, well, you know, there's still some shows coming to me, so I, you know, I can do this myself. Nope. Yeah, didn't no. didn't work that way. No, and the right. next thing I know, you know, a decade's gone by, and we're like, maybe we should work on that record we've been talking about. You know, <laughs> so it's it's been weird too for me. Is like. I am almost literally starting over. Oh yeah. Well, I you always know. looked at every record as starting over. Yeah. Every time I made an album, yeah. I was starting over. I didn't ever look at the previous yeah. and go, "Oh, I made it." Right. I looked at the previous and go, "What did I do wrong? What did I do right?" 
Yeah. How can I make the things I did right better and the things I did wrong That's smart. even better? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and uh, sometimes I hit it, sometimes I didn't, but I've sure. just, you know, it's hard for artists to ignore the criticism. Yeah. That is usually from their own peers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I had to just kind of block it out and, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm sure anybody from that era still would look at me as like, oh, he just made it because he was church friendly and he was a youth group rapper and he played the game. To an extent, you're right. But it's never that simple. It's never right. that nuanced. Right. You know what I mean? And and you know what? For everyone that thought they kept it real, no, you didn't. You played the same game in a different way. Yeah. Everybody plays the game. Yeah. Everybody uses a gimmick. Everybody plays to the rules of that culture, of that genre. Yeah. It's just that you consider yours better than another one. Right. And the other ones don't really care because they're too busy <laughs> doing yeah. their thing. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think the youth group circuit is tricky too because they, I mean, I guess in a sense it refills, right? But it's a new batch, so you it's almost have extent. to, you know. Yeah, yeah the, but see, that's the thing. Other thing I realized is like that the platform was so much bigger than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. And I would get that stigma of you're just a youth group church, you know, Toby Mac clone rapper. And I'm like, do you know I'm out playing in front of 20,000 people on a business seminar with George right. Bush? No, you don't know that because you're not paying attention. Yeah. Did you know I just went and played Scribble Jam, which is the biggest battle yeah. contest in the world? No, you don't know that because you're just not paying attention. Right. Do you right. know that I'm putting in work at these local clubs and open mics, even while I have a record in the stores and I'm touring around the country? No, because you're not right. paying attention. Yeah. And you know what? I don't care because I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But once I started realizing that hip-hop, the platform was infinitely bigger and now it's even bigger than ever yeah. because it's just regular music. Yeah. Once I realized that, I was like, no longer will I ever think small. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's go back to that first record. Did you work with Todd Collins on the first one? Yes and no. So okay. I had done most of the album before I got signed. Okay. So he heard it off a demo I had sent in. And so the idea there was originally I was gonna sign to go T. Yeah. Toby didn't want to sign me. Okay. And so Todd defaulted to his uh, to his judgment. Okay. And then he ended up handing me over to Essential. Okay. Which was a CCM label to the T. Yeah. So their goal was then to kind of like clean it up a little, make it a little more slick. And then we added maybe four new songs. Okay. I think. Something like that. Okay. So it's a mixture of of Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> so, so then from that point, you worked with him for several albums after that, right? Not, but again, not necessarily. So when okay. I did collaborations, he only did like two or three songs from scratch. Okay. Everything else, That's I right. got beats from Blake Knight. I got beats from Flynn. I got beats from Play-Doh. Sure. Um, so I just kind of redid the same thing. By the time I hit Pronounce 5-2, he did the whole record. Okay. And then behind the music, I started to want to produce myself. Okay. He still did the majority, but by the time I hit the yearbook, which was my fifth, I produced the whole thing myself. Oh, we weren't nice. even working together anymore. Okay. Yeah. So how many records have you put out so at this point? Dude, somebody brought <laughs> a girl brought like Saturday, she brought every CD I had ever done to have me sign it all. And there was nine nice. solo, including the newest. There was nine solo. I did two side projects and a remix. I would say nine. Okay. 
Yeah, not counting Sons of Intellect, make ten. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and th- th- there was one too. Um, I think it was called B sides and rarities. See, that was put out. Okay, so that was put out in between <laughs> me getting uh, dropped. Okay. So I took some of the unsung. I didn't have anything to sell for like a year and a half. Oh, jeez. So I didn't have a new deal. Yeah. And so I actually went back to Essential and said, are you cool if I put out some of these songs that never came out? I pressed it up myself just to have something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that wasn't really... I only did it at shows. Obviously, it wasn't digital yeah. release, but um, well, it was just a sleeve. And that's literally all it was. Black and white photocopy liner notes. It's terrible like, looking. Yeah, but I, I, I remember enjoying it. There were some gems on there. Yeah, there was a few. And in fact, I, I found a bunch for the pledge. Oh, for really? The pledge drive. Nice. I found like fifty, and so I, I put. I, you could buy them, and some of them were like in really, <laughs> really bad shape. That's um, funny. But yeah, and it was kind of like. How do I put out some of the Sons of Intellect stuff? I had a couple like extra. What had actually happened is I had done this song called The Champion. Okay. I'm sorry, 12 Round Knockout. It was for Carmen's movie called The Champion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And up to that point, I couldn't get any radio play. And then I get dropped by the label, and then the song blows up. (laughs) And I'm like, my timing is terrible. And it's a rap rock song. It's not even like. It wasn't even like my style, but I'm like, here we go again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you never know what's going to resonate, right? So, now, now we met in that period. I think between Essential and yes. Tooth and Nail, and yes. uh, we met in Hawaii. Hawaii, was it Kona? No, it was, it was, it was Maui. 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 It was yeah. a big island, right? No, no. Maui. That's right. In Maui, I came back yes. to the Big Island. You're right. Yeah, the Big Island is just south of yes uh, of Maui, <laughs> and that was such an interesting week. Um, you, no kidding. It was like technically we were on tour together, but we didn't see you much. No, we played a couple shows together, but you yeah. kind of had your own schedule. We had our own schedule, right? And like I remember, it's funny. Like there's a couple shows that stand out to me, but one of them you weren't at. We played a shopping mall. And there were like these three little old men sitting in the front row. Okay. They loved it, you know. Like it was that kind of weird tour. And then and then they've got some. Uh, I remember last night was in like I don't it was know. In it was a city. cool venue. Yeah, it was in like a theater. Yeah, it was a great show. It was a great yeah. show. I remember your it was it you or your your homie's shoes kept slipping. It was probably his. Yeah, probably his. Um, yeah, and that was a weird time because we were like. We were just trying to like still figure things out. We were starting to talk to labels, but you, we were... you made you two were the most interesting, hilarious, <laughs> weird people I had ever hung out with in a long time. And I think probably because of that, I was like, I'm really drawn to these guys because they're so bizarre, <laughs> but yet so like genuinely themselves. And I like, I think I, that resonated with me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I must say, probably when you did the shopping center, I think I is it maybe that was the day I went to the island. Yeah, yeah, I think and I so. did the outreach on the street, uh, Lehay or something. Or yeah, it's a like little that. island or like hardly Le, anybody. Le, 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 Leilani or something. I, there was something only one like town yeah. on the place, and all those kids. It was really dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little envious that we didn't get to play that one because it sounded like so cool to go to this tiny little island. Yeah, they did a. Uh, I remember they did a Polynesian dance. Okay. And the parade. <laughs> coming to see us and I realized as they were walking I'm like oh those guys don't have underwear on they're just in thongs I'm like oh it was cool on the front front now I'm like I feel just awkward <laughs> that's pretty amazing so what, one thing we did uh, so you know we I think we had had some exposure in like Seven Ball Magazine at that right. time but we were pretty much just like a west coast group we right. hadn't gone very far I think the furthest east we'd gone was like Las Vegas right 
and thanks to the internet and we thanks were on the internet. mp3.com some radio some Christian hip hop radio show like downloaded one of our songs and put it on rotation so, Wild Wild West man so in Maui they thought we were like a big deal <laughs> So I think was, in Maui they thought everybody was a big deal because I was so blown away how many people showed up for that show. I'm like, I don't think you really are here to see us. You just think because it's rap, like yeah, that's that's true. And like I lived, I don't know if you knew this, I lived on the Big Island for a couple of years. Oh, I know. We don't get a lot of you know out there. They don't get a lot of uh, a lot of artists. That's what they were saying. Yeah. So it was like rap is coming from the yeah. mainland. It's yeah. a big deal because I'm I was at that point so struggling that I was used to shows of 50 to 100 people. And then to get, right. I don't know what it was, it was probably, maybe in my head it seemed bigger, but it, was somewhere, it seemed like somewhere between three to 500 or something like that. Okay. I think I remember him shooting video. We hung out at the guy's house. I remember we yeah. stayed at his house. I got a severe burn, I remember that too. Yeah, me too, I got a burn too. It's because you're yeah. fair skinned though, you're like a, well, I just like a ginger warrior. I cover very well. well and I, like, I'm used to being in Florida. They're like, oh, we have no ozone here. <laughs> <laughs> I got like a third degree burn on my back. Yeah, I I, I think we were both pretty lobsterish. Um, so a, a funny story that you may not realize was so we wrote a song called Cheese Rappers in Paradise <laughs> for that tour, and my sister lived on the Big Island. Uh, she still does actually. I had her shoot me like a list of Hawaiian words. Oh really? And I worked them into the song, and we also we knew we were going to be playing with you. So we worked you into the song, and the problem was, I didn't know how to pronounce the Hawaiian words. <laughs> so, like, Hanaho is like encore, but it's H-O-U, so I read it as Hanahu. So I rhymed KJ52 and Hanahu. We get there, I think we got there like a day or two before you, and I put the song on for the, the guy who was putting on the shows. And he heard it, and he was like, well, that's not how you pronounce that. That's not how you pronounce that. And we're like, oh, crap. So we're, like, scrambling to rewrite. <laughs> anyway, we, we, we ended up... me with my broken Spanish here. Yeah, yeah. We, we fixed it, and, and it was fun to perform. Um, and then, But then, like, when we ended up getting signed, we wanted to use that song. But there were just too many references to girls, and uh, <laughs> nobody wanted us to do that song. You, so. you tell me the girl it was like the daughter liked you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where it got really uncomfortable. Yeah, she was crushing big time. Yeah, she was like still high school or something like that. Yeah, right. But I mean, I was like, if you fast forwarded a few years, the age difference wouldn't have been a big right. deal. But at the time, right. the age difference was huge. Yeah. I was, That's no I was in college, and she was like a sophomore in high school, and yeah. Actually, uh, what happened? To Did you stay in touch with them? Or I, I connected with them on MySpace for a while, and then lost touch. Spirit. Yeah, one, one. Of, I think the younger daughter um, had had kids in her early twenties or something. So not not that long after, but anyway, great, great, good time.
Wednesdays for the very first time. What's my rhymes on tap and it don't cost a dime. Tropical flavor, life that I savor. Music, fashion, sense, I'm a beat enslaver. I want to walk on the beach so slow. I need to read so my mind will grow. I swim like a fishy to and fro. I'm gonna be a superstar if y'all don't know. Will you do that? And I will go to the ATM to get some dough. Cause I met a girl in Cali at all big show. Malaki Lincoln Maka, I have some mistletoe. Camera. Let me right. take a picture of you. Right. Guys. I look very shocked. <laughs> My wife looks beautiful as usual. I'm just like, what is happening? I took pictures of everything back then, um, and and not everybody had cameras on their phones back right. then. So like, yeah, you had. No, I don't think be, anybody had a camera phone in you 2002. You had to be deliberate. No, absolutely yeah. not. I, I had a. I was one of the first adopters of a digital camera. Nice. You know, it cost me like a thousand dollars for like three megapixels. I'm you sure. Know. Um, but so I, I know there was that, and I feel like when I was driving in today, if you think really hard, you can let me know whether I made this up or not. I feel like you came to Bakersfield one time when I was back. I was already living in Nashville, I think, and you were in like a, like a trailer. I don't know if it was your trailer, but it was at a Christian coffee shop in Bakersfield. And I... I the Jesus Shack? It was connected to Jesus Shack. I think it was Valley Bible that owned the coffee shop, though. Um, I played Bakersfield so many times. Okay. Yeah. My well, dad they, lives in Colinga now. I don't know where, that, where it's is. It's nearby. It's about okay. an hour away. Yeah. All right. So I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't your trailer. I think they had a trailer on the property that was like their green room. And, and I think uh, I think we had someone tell you, Royal Ruckus is here. Okay. And you had us come back, and I remember getting in this small trailer and catching up with you. This definitely sounds accurate. <laughs> but it could have literally been any year, at any town, in any place in America. 
Do, do you have any uh, jump out really awkward like highlights over the years of, of a show in Bakersfield? Anywhere? Oh, and anywhere? Anywhere? Oh man, dude, there's just so what many. bubbles at the top, you know? Like awkward, just just straight awkward. Sure. So much awkward. I have more awkward one-on-one interactions. Okay. But probably the first one where I was like, "This is a terrible idea," was when I was booked to headline the White Privilege Conference in, like, Nowheresville, Iowa. What? How does anybody decide to have a conference like that? <laughs> Everything you're saying out loud is what was going through my mind as I was driving to this event. Because I'm thinking it's, like, some oh. white supremacist type stuff. Sure. And it's in the middle of Iowa. So I'm like, oh, we're in, in for a mess. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that. It was just exploring the con... This is way before this was cool to talk about. It's yeah. like, 02-ish, maybe. Wow. This was, like, exploring the concept of white privilege. And it was actually a really... I don't think I even heard that term until a few years ago. Oh, no. So that's what I said. What the heck are you talking about white privilege? It was like, no, there's just the idea that what can you do with white privilege that can benefit people? And the, and the guy who was, I know, right? But it was very multicultural. It wasn't wow. just like a white thing. In fact, the guy who booked me turned out was from like a rival high school from here. Yeah. Somehow, he's a black guy, somehow winds up in the middle of Iowa. He goes, I want you to headline our gospel portion of the show. Yeah, I'm like, it's just getting even weirder. The show was fine. It was actually really cool. Like, and I met a guy who had written a book called Honky about his experience okay. of growing up as a white kid in Brooklyn, as oh, the only white Lord. kid. And I'm like, oh, finally someone can like tell my story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but it was super awkward. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, this is everything I what I'm against. Yeah, you know, I understand my place as a white guy doing doing rap. Much less, yeah. I'm not trying to like. But anyway, that was super awkward. Um, <laughs> but again, but went, everything, okay. that, everything that goes into that I think is going to be awkward always usually ends up really well. I just played yeah. a quinceanera oh, wow. in, in New Mexico, all Spa- all Mexican, you know, and I'm yeah. like, this is a terrible, why, why am I doing this? And it was amazing. <laughs> like, it was an incredible show. That's fantastic. Um, but like, awkward things have been more like just one-on-one things. Like a guy tried to witness to me at my gym mm. thinking I was someone who looked like KJ oh, while we're in funny. the bathroom. Wow. He's trying to... That is awkward. I said, I said no. I said, I said, no, I'm, I am KJ. And he goes, oh. And he cusses out loud. <laughs> oh, no thanks. Oh, I'm kind of watching the old carbohydrates and glucose this week. Apple pie is just loaded with carbohydrates and glucose. Well, heaven knows I shouldn't eat any. <laughs> Not if you're watching the old carbohydrates and glucose. <laughs> you got something to say. So I'm just going to say it. Been cutting back exchange with this girl this time. I mean it. She quits, then she's in, then she's in it, tailspin Man, I'm done spinning out, I'm sick of all the well Failing forward into success, my eyes are on the prize Onward and up until Christ says arise And the whole world gets reprised, he wipes all the cries Duck for fries, got me changing subject in the rhyme In my mid-thirties and I just reached my prime When I make a whole turkey, always prep it with a brine Word up to grandma for working hard in the kitchen Making things nice while kids were tumbling and bitching Listen, little chump, I don't bother with no breakfast Always playing with that fasting and seeking new perspectives Like Samson in this piece And I be slamming keys Orthodox enough that you think that I'm from Greece Got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked I'm not Kenny Lamar, not Jay-Z or M Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rock Kim Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I had a pet squirrel for a second 
and I'm not kidding. Shared it with my best girl, but ended up quitting. Released them both into the wild with my wishes and a smile. Priest said, work on me a while, but she makes me such a grecophile. Grew a beard for a year, cause Mike and I were bored. Girls praise is here, a few had hoped to score. Remember Mandy Moore? I hear she's free again. We get open for her tour, but someone have to phone it in. Bless her with a beard, restart a rap career, and make a chick flick starring Mr. Belvedere. Charles in charge at 7.30, full house at 8 o'clock. I know it's hard to swallow, I'm still Jimmy from the block. Used to have a little, now I save once in a while. Dudes asking how can you afford your rock and roll lifestyle. Mostly poor budgeting, they Ramsey books on credit. Should probably spend more time reading money tips on Reddit. Got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect. You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked. I'm not Kenny Lamar, not Jay-Z or M. Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in. I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect. You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked. Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rock Kim. Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in. Yo, microphone check, one, two, what is this? Piece of the nice guy rapper pie stimulus? No, the verbs had the syllabus, homie was my friend, cruising round in his jalopy, needed a heater and a tent. I miss KJ5 and T-Bone, who would pretend to remember our names, but it didn't offend. I even pinned all the raps, never lived up to the dream, don't really give a crap. Joke's on you for listening. Bakersfield, land of the cat pill Raised in a six-bit house and scared of Oildale My mom once lived in Compton, so that makes me half street You could have been Ice Cube, but instead you grew up sweet My liver's paying dearly for life's magic activities I quit eating sugar so I never get a cavity A tour with Cure and Billy Idol tribute bands Bitch and John will text me back as rapping in Thailand Got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kenny Lamar, not Jay-Z or M Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rock Kim Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in You don't believe that, huh? What? Did you ever see that? No! If you never saw that, then don't talk Well, you're gonna stand right there in front of me A grown man able to read and drive a car and have dates and everything and tell me that you believe there was such a thing as a magic lamp. I never saw that lamp. I do not know what spirit was evoked by that lamp. And therefore, I cannot discuss the subject intelligently. <laughs> like, where do we go from here? Yeah. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, my life is a never-ending awkward experience. So this, this one didn't happen directly to me, but we played... you remember Spirit West Coast? Of course. I mean, that probably still exists. Um, yes. So we played... Uh, Spirit West Coast one year and Kirk Cameron was the speaker on the same stage right after us. I got a Kirk Cameron story too. And, oh, I want to hear it. Um, so a couple of our friends that we uh, that were in a, a rock band, we used to play with them a lot. And in fact, uh, a couple of those guys did some guest spots on one of my albums. Um, they're standing there on the side of the stage watching us. Kirk Cameron walks up and hands them Bible tracts and asks them if they know Jesus. <laughs> Sounds like, pretty accurate. Kurt Cameron is watching me rap while he's witnessing to my friends. You yeah, know, Mike like Sieber, incredible. Man. He's doing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope Kurt Cameron get through the priority line at Delta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we we had to ride to the airport together. He wasn't really saying much until I was like, oh, we, I yeah. knew some mutual people, and so he started opening it up a little bit. And then when we got to the airport, it was like he had never checked in to an airplane. 
And I was okay. thinking, oh, maybe, you know, he's just grown up so, like, well off that he's never had to do this. Yeah. And, and he would just kind of look, he was kind of, like, staring at the kiosk like he had never seen one before. I'm like, do you want to just walk with me? Like, <laughs> I have diamond status. We can skip the line. He goes, oh, okay, great. And then... I had just previously been the host of the stage he was speaking at, but I didn't okay. perform. So the whole time, he thought I was the stage manager. Oh. <laughs> so he kept asking me stage manager questions like, hey, what size is my stand? Where's my thing to put yeah. my notes on? And and I'm like, I swear this guy thinks I'm just the stage manager. I said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to let him think I'm the stage manager. I went and yeah. brought him. I went and brought him like a road case and all he had was literally a piece of paper in his hand and I'll never forget he took it and he just dropped it onto the road case and he went this will work <laughs> oh that's great I was like this is my childhood in front of my eyes because I was a huge Growing Pains fan but yeah yeah I think awkward attracts awkward and I could yeah. definitely have done some awkward stuff yeah uh, I, I, I hear you. Probably the most awkward one that happened to me was at GMA, and we we were on a bus of a bunch of like buyers for Christian bookstores, and we're doing the name game with them, and they're, they're like going from downtown Nashville to a show at, the, at like Opry Mills or something. Um, on the way back, I used the restroom in the bus and forgot to zip my my shorts up. So for 20 minutes, I'm standing there with my fly Nobody down. said anything? Nobody said anything until we pulled up. Oh, man. And I was like, your discretion is not appreciated. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I, we don't have a lot of time, but, yeah. um, you know, we do have a segment on most shows for shipwrecks. Shipwrecks, that's right. I was right. if you got a story or two to share. I have literal shipwrecks because my parents were boaters. Okay. <laughs> but we used to hey, love boat. Hi, how you doing? Hey, love Exciting as uh, well. I mean, you know, you again, would be the first to give a literal an actual shipwreck, shipwreck at uh, Higgins Lake Boat Club when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sunfish crashed into the other one. Anyway, uh, um, yeah. So, well, you know, again, talking about like longevity in the music industry, it's like it's funny how once you hit about 10 years in, you're considered irrelevant. So you have yeah. to like kind of figure out how to rebrand yourself yeah. and for about 10 to 15 years somewhere in that 10 to 15 year range you really struggle because they move on to the next guy yeah yeah it's like a changing of the guard but what happens is if you can kind of stick around long enough then you get the swing around effect of now you're nostalgia oh uh, yeah, yeah and you know 15 years is long enough for someone to go from kid to an adult so it really doesn't matter if they consider your stuff sucked back in the day. You're now someone's childhood. Yeah. And then you can live off someone's childhood nostalgia yeah. for a long time. But during that sort of middle period, you know, I got uh, dropped by my booking agency. I got, um, basically what the big thing happened was two major organizations that I was working with both went out of business, owing me one, $25,000. Oh, the geez. other one, 
was a organization, a ministry that like booked me for like three months to do a tour and then canceled the entire thing two weeks prior. Oh. So one, I can't get shows for all those months because I've blocked it all off. Yeah, that's And two, close. the money's not there now. Right. So this is, they both almost happened like back to back. Wow. So I'm now out somewhere in the $50,000 range and scrambling to get any show. I can't. Yeah. But it's just not the way shows work. Yeah. But, and now it's also following in that sort of period where people have moved on. You know, the industry, I'm considered the old guard and they want to move to the next thing. And, you know, it's a really hard time to rebrand yourself when you're dead in the water. So I contemplated quitting. I went and got a personal trainer certification thinking I had to get a job. I floated, you know, I went from getting you know, shows that might be a couple grand that pay the bills to just hoping to got you a $250 show locally, right. Right. you know, anything. Right. And that's when I was like, maybe it's just time to call it quits. Maybe it's time, maybe I'm done, maybe it's time to move on. But I was dead in the water. I was dead weight. Industry people didn't want to work with me. My fellow peer groups didn't want to work with me. Yeah. Then we tried to do another tour that like was supposed to be 20 dates and ended up being three. I mean, it was just Jeez. problem after problem after problem after problem, and I and I and this is no, this is no secret because I've talked about it on my social media. But ended a working relationship with my manager of over twelve years, and in that period of time, you know, there was discrepancies and money paid out. No royalties were paid out on one of the albums that uh, she she had released. Yeah. Um, to the point where two years had gone by, and I come to find out, nobody on the album had been paid wow. from a royalty standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we're beefing over this. Right. Uh, I end that relationship, and now I am now completely on my own. And that's the scariest thing you've ever you could ever do when you've worked with somebody for 12 years, and yeah. Yeah. you're no longer in the major label sure. system. I mean, it was. This is literally about this time last year. Okay. So you're talking. I have fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt. I have no momentum in my career. I've now ended a relationship with the person that helped guide my career for all these years. And I have not gotten paid on all my art for that project. Wow. Um, and all my people that help work on the record have not gotten any royalties. Right. And I'm just unraveling one problem after another and after yeah. another. And now I've got this crossroads where I go, do I just throw in the towel and give up? Or do I keep pushing on? And do I handle this in a way that reflects Christ and not my bitter feelings right, of hurt. Right, yeah. And that's when I did crowdfunding, and that's when I, and it's funny, during that period of two years where it was really just terrible, this guy hands me a book, this youth pastor, he gives me a book called Do Over, and it was by Jonah Acuff. And essentially the book oh, yeah, was about yeah. when you hit rock bottom, how out of that can come new skills, passions, and right. talents, but you have to hit rock bottom to even know that because you're so caught up in your normal way of living. Yeah. And I looked back and realized out of that two years, I picked up the spray cans again, I started doing graffiti art. I hadn't touched graffiti art in years. Yeah. Out of that spray, out of that graffiti art, not that I'm some great writer or anything, but I started getting murals. Yeah. I started getting you know, all kinds of new things opened up with the graffiti That's art dope. that was not there before. Yeah. And it was a new expression, right? Right. I started doing this local school assemblies. I was scared to death. 
Yeah. You can put me in front of 50,000 people. You put me in front of 300 junior high kids and I have to speak, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. But I pushed in and I figured out how to do it. That's now awesome. I have a passion and I can survive in the worst environment possible. Yeah. Then I also, you know, a few people started coming to my rescue, like Derek Miner, you know. When no one else wanted to work with me, he was like, dude, you're, you're, you're a pioneer and you're a treasure to our genre. Whatever you need, I'm here to help. Production. Wow. Advice, studio time. Didn't want to dime. In That's time. awesome. And and then, like I said, if you can wait long enough, all of a sudden the nostalgia starts helping you. Those that had been kids are now adults. So I do my first crowdfund. People come out of nowhere to go, hey, dude, uh, I'm going to donate to you my mix time. I'm going to donate to you graphic wow. design. I'm going to donate to you a reduced rate on mastering. I'm going to donate to you... Uh, graphic design. I mean, you name it. Just yeah. people out yeah. of nowhere, just out of sheer appreciation, That's just awesome, gave. Man. And then I hit 200% of my goal on the crowdfund. Yeah. And then all the things that I had been praying for became a reality. Became a teaching pastor. Uh, started doing school assemblies. The shows all of a sudden out of nowhere just started coming back. Yeah. Uh, and then now. I'm operating in multiple worlds of speaking, pastoring, performing, and I am six months from 43. Yeah. And all intents and purposes, I should be done. Yeah. And instead, I'm enjoying probably the best year I've had That's in awesome. 10 years. And it's not to say that there's just still been problems, because sure. then that same manager went and put my record out again. Okay. Digitally. Yeah. So I'm right back to where I was, and I had to go and like get it pulled down, and start the process again of getting these guys paid. Yeah. So, but I realized through it that you can be bitter or better. Yeah. I could yeah. have been bitter about it, or I said I'm gonna handle it in a way. Yeah. That I believe that God would have me handle it. Yeah. And I feel like I reap the benefits of that. Yeah. You know I mean. That's so, awesome. I, yeah. I appreciate you so sharing that with me. A ship. It's like I, I wrecked the ship. And then I took the wood and <laughs> built a house with it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the best way I can compare it to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, shipwrecks, as I say in the theme song, aren't always as they appear. And, uh, I, yeah, I know, because when uh, we nicknamed that kid Crash <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, you said about the real shipwreck. Oh. When I was in seventh grade, we really did wreck the boats yeah. into each other. And so that kid's name was Crash oh, forever. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. Do you keep in touch with Crash? Uh, no, but I know people that do know him. My cousin stays in touch with him, and I never sail a boat after that. I was like, I'm done. That's fantastic. Yeah. As if it's possible to boil personhood to simply colors and regions. Like we're just the sum total of our molecules and happenstances. No, like, how you deal with this when you're the child of a black militant whose entire network of friends and family only spoke Spanish? That's LA, like, like what you think it's like me? I don't do black music, no. I don't do white music, no. I do fight music, unified in Christ music, uh. let's get right to it, hear the music right to it, from the context of a black kid fighting through it, and some folks said it was worldly, it was too good, and some folks were scared of it, it was too hood, so I took it to the places who would embrace uh -huh. it, and sometimes believe it or not, it was white faces, and like it sell out Assimilating what's in my head No, I am Cyclops, homie, cause all I see is red People covered in the blood on my fam And we don't just relate, we all related through the lamb My family trees are lowercase T And we are all the 
probably why they like me. tried growing a beard well okay so two reasons why I'm not I'm follically challenged okay uh, one when I was young I used to had such a baby face when I was 25 I had such a baby face I grew a goatee to look older All right. but I also realized when I was trying to grow to grow a tea I couldn't grow a proper <laughs> it's like I have weird spurts of follicles yeah, on my face yeah. so like I could never grow a full beard. I gotcha. I couldn't even connect the goatees together, like okay. the top and the bottom. And one time I grew it in, I just looked so dirty. But the main reason is that I have very oily skin. Okay. So if I grow, even if I just take a day and don't shave, yeah. my skin gets super oily. So I have to shave every day to like exfoliate, essentially. Okay. But the real reality is, by me not having a beard, makes me look like I'm still super young. <laughs> so now I do the opposite. I, you know, wear a hat, I keep, you know, I have yeah, all my hair, yeah. but I'm saying these sure. are things I've learned at 42 to not look 42. Yeah. So when you sent me that picture and yeah. I compared it to now, people were like, dude, you haven't aged in 15 years. I'm yeah. like, well, yeah, some of that's upkeep, but, <laughs> but yeah, but I have, yeah, my dad can't really grow a beard. That's pretty funny. We're weird Sicilians. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, so I've, I've got the opposite problem, though. Like, about a, two years ago, I cut I cut everything yeah. off. And everybody said I aged when I took my beard <laughs> off. So, I don't know. I don't know. It depends yeah, on the person, I, I guess. It does. And I, I and now it's cool to have a beard. Plus, dude, it's Florida, man. It's so freaking hot out. I That's couldn't true. imagine having facial hair. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
but it, but that see that's the opposite. I know many dudes in Florida that have epic, yeah, epic yeah. beards. So uh, yeah, I have no desire to have facial hair at all. I got you. Uh, what about tacos? Do you have a favorite taco? Uh, two favorite ones I ever had was uh, I had street tacos in Baja. Nice. That was amazing. Might have been donkey. I'm not sure, but it was still good. <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never know. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I also had Korean. Oh yeah, fish tacos in Sacramento. Okay. Nice time at this restaurant that does only that, and it was crazy good. Yeah, I, I definitely like fusion tacos. Yeah. Uh, next time you're through Orlando, you I'll be there tonight. Oh well, if you have time, okay, tell me where. It's, it's uh, Taco China. How you spell it? Uh, it's actually T A K O. Oh okay. And then uh, China is. It's either. China or two E's, but it's it's basically supposed to be China. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Uh, I, I think it's two E's, but um, everything they do is Asian fusion. Okay, so good. It's, it's incredible. Yes, they, they do, and they have like solid vegetarian options too. If you feel like you need to get some veggie tacos. No. So, uh, do you like have? A podcast or a book you'd like to plug? Something you've read no book, or listened but you, to you recently? Can, oh, uh, a book I've read. So, so, something that's just uh, impacted I'm a big, you. Recently. I'm a big podcast junkie, so I listen to two. There's two that I I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but okay. two that I really dug from understanding the female mind is, and one is a, a, a Christian-based one, and the other one is completely not. Okay. Uh, one is called What She Wants, and it's it used to be called Ask Women. Okay. And it's just these like two girls giving advice to men who don't know how to handle women, which really doesn't apply to me because I've been married for 20 years. But yeah, but I think that that says a lot if you can benefit from it. Well, really, know. what it's taught me is what it means to be alpha, and that's yeah. understanding that nice guys really don't finish first. Yeah, and that we've been conditioned to be nice and not realize that's not what women want. Yeah, they want alpha. So the other one is called Sexy Marriage Radio, and okay. it's from a Christian standpoint, but it's just exactly like it sounds. It's the opposite. It's saying how uh, sex and marriage is the most beautiful thing it could be, but then it's, I mean, they get really down to the nitty gritty. So those two have been really good. Um, What's the second title again? Sexy Marriage Radio. Okay. The first one is uh, What She Wants. It used to be okay. called Ask Women. Um, I'll put those in the show notes, too. Yeah. And then another one I really dig is... Uh, the Cypher Show. Okay. Uh, it's a podcast. They do really in-depth interviews. Um, sometimes they do graffiti artists. I mean, it just, you know, it depends. And then I've been listening to Stuck in the 80s for like a thousand years. That's another one. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I used to out. love Juan Epstein when it was out. Okay. It stopped. It's not out anymore. Okay. But, uh, yeah. And you've got a podcast now. Yes. KD52 Podcast. Very simple name. How would yeah. you come up with the name? <laughs> I realized how technologically challenged some of my fan base is. So I was like, how can I make this still as simple as possible? And they still go, what's the what's the address? <laughs> it's embedded. I can't read it. I'm like, it's my name plus podcast. Yeah, can you send that to me? I'm like, mm. come on, man. <laughs> can't hold your hand through it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. So I've been using my podcast more just for the really core fans, like yeah. doing really specific podcasts. Yeah. But I just did one called Why Did NFL Sell Lecrae? And it shot through the roof. So I realized that maybe I might start steering more towards sure. hot-button topics. Um, but then I've also used it as an outlet to put my messages on, so as yeah. a teaching pastor. Yeah. So. I, heard the, I heard the one on the 80s. Yeah, there you go. I liked it. Just about Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, 
All right, and what are your socials? Um, I mean, KJ52 Instagram for Instagram. That's literally how it sounds. KJ52 at Twitter. KJ52 at Facebook. Uh, that's about all I use. I'm sure I have a MySpace floating around there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually discovered we still have a MySpace up. I, I think like, a lot of us do. Like, the question is, does anyone still have a login password? That no, would be amazing. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know how to do it. All right, well, my socials are at Royal Ruckus or at Royal Ruckus Official. Um, they just steal off the Oh, let me say, and I dig your podcast, too. Oh, thanks. Because I like how you've explored backstories on people that I was always curious about. Yeah. Like, yeah. the Future Shock backstory was really fascinating. Yeah. You know, um, even your explanation of uh, Greek or Orthodox. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up with a bunch of Orthodox kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so cool. I knew about the Greek Orthodox Church, like, way back when I was a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's yeah. that's a story for the next time. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun doing it, and, and actually, it, you know, with stories like like yours and uh, Cookbook and John Rubin, guys that have been around that that I know, and then like are now doing music without anything to lose. Well, I still have something to lose. True, I definitely true. have something to lose. That's true. I think Rubin definitely has nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't guess, speak for cookbook, but I, I guess I guess you do, but um, but still, you don't have the, the You're restrictions right. you You're used absolutely to have. Right. You know? You're absolutely right. And and initially, I was thinking I wanted to do a, a several interviews and like write a blog post on you guys. And then I went, you know what? Like I got this podcast idea over here. I got this blog post. Put them together. And you know, I did. We did a two-hour interview with Ruben for the documentary. Really? And I would say one hour and fifty-nine minutes. It is all unusable. <laughs> He just he just went into John mode and it had nothing to do with my documentary. It was great. He's amazing. He's yeah. my boy since way back. Yeah. But I'm like looking at the director. I'm like, yeah, we can't use that. Either. This has nothing to do with the documentary. But it was still really good. That you needs know. to go on the bonus, bonus disc. I don't know. <laughs> we fed some of it out, you know, and like I just don't. It's a different era, man. Like yeah. I don't know if people understand the politics of even what we've talked about. Because yeah. we would talk about it for an hour, like what was it like to be a white guy doing Christian yeah. rap in yeah. the early 2000s. People don't even think like that. Right. It's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. But well, dude. Times they are changes. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being on, Absolutely. on the show. Um, oh, one last thing. Uh, and I'm putting you on the spot for this. Favorite rap song of all time. Oh. Chris, you've listened to some episodes. So you, What's that? You've listened to some of the episodes, <laughs> so you should have known this one was coming. Favorite rap song of all time? Or just at least something that is. Just I can a give you my top change. five. I can give you my top five. Is as long as you can settle on one to end the show with. I can tell you the song that like made me love rap. It's not even my favorite song, okay. but the that song works. that made me like all of a sudden change my genre of love is "It Takes Two by Rob Bass, oh, DJ Z Rock. Such a good song. Which something about the sonics of it. Yeah. The mystique around it, yeah, what made me go no more hair metal, yeah. You know, I was a casual rap fan, but after that, it's like I never looked back. Yeah, but uh, I would say the second would be like uh, uh, Welcome to the Terradome. Ah, uh, yeah, by Public Enemy. Third might be 
Dang, dude. They're probably third one might be Ain't No Joke by uh, Eric B. and Rakim. Yeah. Cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when you compare my rhyme with yours. I wake you up and as I stare in your face, you seem stunned. Remember me, the one you got your idea from. But soon you start to suffer. The tuna get rougher when you start to stutter. That's when you had enough of fighting it'll make you choke. You can't provoke, you can't cope. You should have broke because I ain't no joke. joke. Saying, maybe me, myself, and I by De La Soul. I can't do this, dude. It's it's hard. But I would definitely say Rob Bass was the first thing that like okay. that was my that's my Paul and Damascus moment. I, I did a uh, top ten rappers, like top ten MCs posts on Instagram. That was no small controversy. Um, and even like revisiting Possibly. it, like people would say things. I'd be like, oh yeah, I didn't think about him. He totally knocks it. Like it just depends on the day. It's, it's hard to know. It's right like now. I posted up like I posted up all nine of my albums. I said, which one is your favorite? Yeah. Never was there. I thought, oh, if I can find the one thing that's the main favorite right. of the fans, it's not. I couldn't find it because yeah. I realized that people came into my career at so many different points. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm Jamie Bennett. Yeah. Also known as Chun J from World Ruckus. I'm here with KJ52, aka Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call you Crazy Jonah. <laughs> KJ. Anyway. Um, yeah, this is Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. If you like what you're hearing, please uh, give us a, a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find it. Uh, if you don't like it five stars enough, just don't review it, please. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, man. It takes two. Right about now. You're about to be possessed of the sounds of... MC Raw Face and DJ Easy Rock. I'm not a sucker, so I don't need a bodyguard. I won't flex where bulletproof.
Yeah. 